It's time, D-Heads! Disney Blue presents The Diz Radio Show. Every week, Diz Radio lets you relive the magic, movies, and memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic entertainment, newest hits, retrospects, and breaking news on Hollywood's latest. So put on those ears, strap on the proton packs, beware of Lost Boys, jump on a hoverboard, and flip that dial to the Disney Sunday movie. The Diz Radio Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. Merry, Merry Christmas, all of you Diz Radio fans out there. That's right, it is time for the Diz Radio Show, and you tuned in for show number 250 for the week of December 22nd, 2023, as Christmas has arrived. That's right, all month long we've been celebrating our very Merry Christmas celebration, and we've had all kinds of holiday fun, goodies, tidbits, and more, but right around the corner is Christmas. Yes, Christmas Eve is coming up this Sunday. Christmas Day is on Monday. So we want to have all kinds of fun here at the show. And, you know, some of that is loving, giving, thinking of others, and so much more. And that is how we are going to celebrate Christmas here at Diz Radio here this week because we have none other than Max Morrow stopping in here at the show. Now, Max, you may know from a variety of different things, including the Brady Bunch in the White House. He was also part of the Leslie Nielsen Disney Sunday Night Movie Classic Santa Who. And let's not forget the heartfelt, the touching, the one that's going to make you wipe that tear from your eye, The Christmas Shoes. Yes, we all know the song. We know the movie The Christmas Shoes, which was the first in a trilogy of movies and books. And Max is going to stop in and talk about a variety of different things. What it was like being part of Santa Who, working with Leslie Nielsen, the hijinks he did on set, as well as being part of this perennial classic in The Christmas Shoes. In one of those movies that does nothing but make you tear up, think about the heartfelt season, and it also makes you think about how your actions connect to anybody, whether you realize them or not. If you've never watched it, it's just one of those where you got to watch it because there's so many different ways it's going to take you you're not going to look at Christmas in the same way. Now, no show would be complete, especially here during the holidays, without the D-Team. And without the D-Team, you'd have nothing more, as I always say, of me rambling week in and week out. And that's right, we have Frank, Aaron, Dominic, Jeremy, Cody, and Michael all stopping in here with their signature segments to celebrate the holidays for you. We have everything from pop culture toys to insights into holiday music and so much more. So the D-Team is here with all their signature segments for you. And most of all, this holiday season, we're here to celebrate Christmas with all of you, the D-Heads. I know, I am full of energy here this week because you know what? We may have scattered for a while. We may have disappeared for a little bit. We may have all gone our separate ways. All of you Diz Radio listeners, us here in the studio, we're all here for the Christmas season, but then we all come back together. Sometimes you never know how much you need each other until you come back together during the holidays. So with that said, I'm going to officially kick off this week's show, show number 250, for the week of December 22nd, 2023, and no other way than letting you know that the holidays are nothing without all of you, the D-Heads, without you, the D-Team, and having a lot of fun because you know what? We always make it loud here at Diz Radio. It's Christmas time and our hearts are free. Presents tucked underneath the tree. Now it's the best day of the best time of
welcome back to another episode of Diz Radio's Quote of the Week. This week's quote comes from the movie The Christmas Shoes, which is a 2002 American-Canadian made-for-television drama film based on the song and novel of the same name, which was broadcast on CBS on December 1st, 2002. It was shot in Halifax, Nova Scotia. It is the first part of a trilogy of films, followed by The Christmas Blessing in 2005 and The Christmas Hope in 2009. Now our story opens up with Robert, played by Rob Lowe, visiting the cemetery before Christmas. He sees a younger man wearing a Boston Red Sox cap visiting a grave. They flash back. Robert sees a pair of red shoes has fallen out of a delivery truck. He returns the shoes to Tom Wilson's store. When Robert's car won't start, Tom tells him about Jack's repair shop. Jack's wife, Maggie, has congenitive heart failure and needs a transplant. Kate takes over Maggie's volunteer job directing the local Christmas choir. Nathan, played by our guest, Max Morrow, overhears Maggie telling Kate that she and Jack would go dancing on their anniversary. Nathan goes to Wilson's store and finds the red shoes that Robert returned and saves money to buy the shoes by collecting empty cans. Dalton cares for Nathan after school. Dalton's neighbor, Ellen, gives Nathan her son Robert's old Red Sox cap. Ellen writes a note and puts it in Robert's old lunchbox. Maggie does not receive a heart transplant. Ellen sees Dalton loading bags of cans into his car and says she is going to leave the Christmas lights on for a while. When the lights are still on the next morning, Dalton discovers that Ellen has died. Dalton tells Nathan that his wife died 11 years ago. He tells Nathan to cross over to an alley and Nathan finds the cans. On Christmas Eve, Nathan runs to Wilson's department store and Robert is late going to Wilson's. They get the store clerk to open the door. Nathan wants to buy the shoes, but the clerk tells him he does not have enough money. Nathan explains that he wants the shoes for his mom so that she will be a beautiful woman in heaven. Robert pays for the shoes. Nathan runs home. Robert leaves the store without the gifts. His car won't start and asks Tom for a ride. Tom asks Robert if he is going to the Christmas concert. Nathan gives Maggie the shoes. Robert and Tom arrive at the new location for the Christmas concert and meet Kate and Lily. They are caroling for Maggie. Robert and Kate reconcile. The family sees the light go off in Maggie's room. Robert sees the package his mom, Ellen, had sent and reads the note inside. We flash forward to present time at the cemetery. Robert tells the young man that he likes his Boston Red Sox cap. After the younger man leaves, Robert sees the red shoes on the grave. He realizes it is Nathan and calls after him, but Nathan has driven off. Robert smiles. This week's quote comes from Maggie, speaking to our guest, Max Morrow. Honey, what's the matter? Your heart. I just wanted to see if it was still beating. Well, that's all the time I have for this week. Have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays from my family to yours. And remember, have a magical week. Don't get your tinsel in a tangle, D-heads. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. That's why you are listening to Diz Radio's annual Very Merry Christmas Celebration. Now, you listen to me. Even if we're horribly mangled, there'll be no sad faces on Christmas. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson.
Alright all of you D-heads, I am back and I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for the show, as I always say, every single week. And we are back for show number 250 for the week of December 22nd, 2023, as we have our very Merry Christmas celebration full in motion. And uh, this weekend is Christmas. So we're going to have all kinds of heartfelt Christmas things going on. And as I already kicked off the show, it was loud, it's fun, and all of you D-heads make that happen along with the D-team. Yes, we are one loud, crazy, fun family here at Diz Radio for the last 13 years. Can you believe it has been 13 years since the very first episode of Diz Radio and we have come a very very long way and i am excited to have that heartfelt fun extension here of the christmas season as we have max morrow stopping in here very shortly from the christmas shoes santa who the brady bunch in the white house little bear the movie the show monk and so much more we have the d team here so i just keep on rambling here right so so many different things and I'm just excited. It is Christmas time, and there's so many things on the horizon. And, you know, normally I have something that I'm going to ramble about or talk about or a story of some sort. And this week, I really don't have anything. Uh, You know, I just kind of jumped behind the mic here this week, and I'm like, all right, it's Christmas. Let's do it. And I've been in the heart of so many different things. You know, I have to wrap presents for my kids yet from me. Um, You know, we're getting cookies ready for Santa. We have so many different things that we have to do. The last push of, uh, you know, holiday concerts at school and watching all the Christmas movies and, and just all these fun little things, you know, finding our elves from Elf on the Shelf. You know, so there's a lot of fun things. So I, I wasn't fully prepared um, to even record anything here this week. So it is literally just some rambling from here from me here this week. But I figured, all right, what can I do? What can I talk about? What, what are some things I can do? And, you know, some of those, I always try to give you a little bit of tidbit, whether that's about, you know, some kind of either movies or uh, some music tidbits or something fun, right? So I guess this week, I guess the one thing I'll tell you is a little fun story that I had. Uh, it was it was years and years and years ago. I think I was probably like maybe seven or eight. Um, I, yeah, I was probably about seven or eight. I think that's about right, you know, as I'm sitting here telling this story, trying to go back into those recesses of my brain. You know, sometimes you're sitting there and you're just like... You start going down these chambers and these halls, and it unlocks all these different memories from different directions. And, you know, it's like a door creaking open here and a door creaking open there. And all of a sudden, you're just, you're in this wonderment of of your childhood. But, you know, I'm thinking back to this one Christmas. And, uh, you know, it was one of those where I begged my parents to sleep on the couch. And I, I, I just, I firmly believe that I was sitting there and you know how you always have that smell of like that childhood, right? Whether that's your parents' house or, um, you know, whether it was your grandma's house or a place where you were, right? There's always that smell, whether that's somebody smelled like, you know, like, like, like peppermint or hot cocoa or no matter what it was, there's that smell, right? And like to this day, I can still smell, uh, you know, my childhood home during Christmas because it was notorious for having you know, pine smelling candles everywhere, as well as peppermint in the air. So, you know, one of the things that my mom would do during the holiday season just to make it smell festive is we'd have these pine, you know, uh, candles everywhere, as many people do to make it smell like the real trees. I mean, I myself have a real tree, but I still even have pine candles here. Uh, But one of the other things that she would do is she'd put peppermint in like a pot um, and she would just boil it. You know, sometimes it was cinnamon, sometimes it was other things, and she put on this, like, low simmer. 
like a really low simmer um, in a pot on the stove. And you would be surprised how much that smelt up the whole house and just smelled, it, it smelled so majestic. And then even when you shut it off, it lingered forever, for hours. I swear sometimes I went to school and I would get, you know, kids would be like, Hey, you know, Jonathan, uh, you know what, you, you, you know, you smell like a Christmas tree or you, you smell like Santa. And, you know, I, I swear, I mean, that thing, that, that thing just followed me. But I, I guess it's better than smelling like a pack of cigarettes, right? Going to school and everyone's like, eh, Marlboro's today, right? You know, at least I smell like, you know, whether that was peppermint or a pine tree, that's a lot better than the alternative. <laughs> but, you know, I remember going back, it was eight or nine, and I begged my parents to, to sleep on the couch. And, you know, it, it was a tiny couch at the time, just a little love seat, you know, because back then everyone had a love seat, a chair, a full-size couch. It was just entirely different the way it was set up. And I was sleeping on this little couch, um, you know, just sitting there trying to stay awake to see Santa. That was my goal. I had to see Santa. I wrote him a letter that year. I wanted to see Santa, no matter what, uh, no matter what it was going to be. Um, I set up a camera, mind you, I didn't set a timer for it, and the technology didn't exist to have the motion things captured as fast as it could on a phone nowadays. Um, but, you know, I, I, in my little head, I did everything I could. I put strings around the house, um, like little trip wires. It was basically like a, you know, a little booby trap. I mean, that was the thing. I mean, I don't know what I was really thinking because, you know, did I want to see Santa or did I want Santa to collapse and fall down the stairs or... Uh, you'd not be able to deliver the rest of the toys. I mean, how horrible would that be if all of a sudden all the kids are waking up on Christmas morning and boo-hoo, oh, I'm so sad, oh, boo-hoo, boo-hoo. And, uh, you know, the cause of it was actually, uh, you know, you know, some little kid here, uh, you know, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, sat there and uh, pretty much uh, uh, broke Santa's leg and everything else. But that could go into the Flintstones episode too. You know, there was that Flintstones cartoon when Santa broke his leg and, you know, Fred and Barney helped take over Christmas. But... I digress into a totally different direction with uh, pop culture references and uh, TV shows and movies and so many other things. But anyways, that night, I'm sitting at home and I, I, I'm up, I'm watching Emmett Otter. And mind you, this is the original Emmett Otter, the second run one on HBO that I talked about a few episodes ago. So I won't bore you with that, but the extended one with Kermit's narration, uh, followed by watching... The small one, yes, the classic Disney animated feature that was produced by Ron Miller, you know, Walt Disney's son-in-law, and voiced by the boy from Pete's Dragon, who also was a guest uh, previously here on Diz Radio uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and, he, you know, he talked about voicing small one and being in Pete's Dragon, of course. Um, but those are two perennials that we always watched at our house, you know. Um, but I was just exhausted. Like, I was just beat. I, we just got back from uh, Midnight Mass, you know, growing up, going to church, doing the whole Midnight Mass thing, and I was an altar boy, so that was the same year that I'm sitting there, and I was the bell ringer. I'm just sitting there. I'm the bell ringer. I'm supposed to sit there, you know, when 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 the when Father raises up the, the Eucharist and everything else, I'm supposed to ring the bells, and, you know, it's supposed to be very majestic, and I clearly remember this year, and my kids have heard me tell this story a few times, that... Uh, I fell asleep kneeling there uh, to the point where I was I was sound asleep, like just out cold on my knees. I mean, had I fallen over, it would have been hilarious, but uh, I was literally just out cold, just just out cold. And, you know, father's like, uh, you know, trying to make comments and uh, reiterating himself again and again and again and again until I finally woke up, freaked out, rang the bells like crazy, and the whole church laughed. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, in the end, that was the thing. The whole church just cracked up laughing, so apparently I was the comic, uh, comedy relief that night. But uh, we got back home. My parents said I could, you know, stay up for Santa. And I'm like, all right. I'm doing this. You know, when we got back home from church, one of our traditions was we always had a, a ham and roll sandwich and some Polish sausage. You know, my, my mom would make it like the old-fashioned way where, you know, you boil it in the pot, a little bit of seasoning. It only takes like 10, 15 minutes. So we always ate this little meal when we got back from midnight mass and uh, we got to open one gift. And then, you know, then it was time for bed. You got to get ready. Santa's coming. And uh, they said I could, they could, said I could sleep on the couch. So, you know, I opened up my little tackle box. My tackle box had a lot of things in it. Everything from G.I. Joe's to Star Wars figures to string to a a pocket knife to just so much stuff was in this tackle box. It was kind of like my little MacGyver kit because I loved MacGyver as a kid. So I was like, I'm going to do everything. Mind you, I never made a bomb out of an orange peel and like a paper clip, but I, I was always prepared. So I set up all these booby traps around the living room trying to catch Santa and everything else. I'm falling asleep, fading in and out, finished Christmas specials, uh, midnight mass is over, and I'm, I'm finally just falling asleep. I'm getting to that point where I'm out cold. I'm just, just ready to be out. And, you know, it's that kind of out where you're so out. I mean, being a kid, I guess you don't really know his feeling. But it's that kind of out where you're, like, so out, you feel like you're on, like, medication or you drink too much. Where if somebody wakes you up, you're so out of it. Your head feels like a million pounds. You're, like, freaking out thinking you're late for school or work or something, right? So that's, that's the kind of sleep I was in, that just deep deep sleep and you know i had my dog dice you know little spotted dalmatian sleeping on top of me and um i was just out cold next thing i know i hear some rustling some banging then i hear a loud thud the biggest boom ever i mean just just huge it was the kind of crash that just scared the hell out of everybody in the house i mean just scared you to death Uh, I shot right up. I'm like, I got it. I did it. I caught Santa. I caught Santa. You know, so I'm like, this is great. I'm rolling over, ready to roll over. I see my dad face first on the floor, laying there, all tangled up, mad as all heck. I mean, beyond me. You know that kind of mad that parents get where, like, their face is red and they're, like, trying to hold in every horrible word that they want to say to you or say out loud, and they're trying not to say it? That's kind of the look on his face. And my dad was a big guy. My dad's tall. Like, anyone who has seen me out and about or at any of the conventions knows I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a smaller in stature guy. Uh, but my dad, huge, right? Like like a big Viking, right? You know, I mean, we are Norwegian on, on part of our family here. So, you know, he, he got the Norwegian uh, Viking jeans. I, I did not. I got my mom's Irish leprechaun jeans. But, <laughs> you know, you take the wins and, and you take the losses. You make it work. But... You know, he had this just look, and he's just so angry, and he's just, you know, just furious. And uh, I'm like, oh, he's just my dad. Like, uh, that's that's that, you know? Like, okay, well, Santa didn't come yet. I don't know what's going to happen, right? So he calms down a little bit, sits down with me, lets me know that I can go back to bed, keep waiting for Santa. I'm like, all right. So he goes back upstairs. He goes up to bed. I'm laying on the couch. I get off the couch now, and I'm like, ha-ha, well, my traps worked the first time. I'm going to make sure they work again. So I set more traps again. 
it was fantastic. So now I set a whole different sound, you know, around of traps and uh, things like that, right? You know, and, you know, I mean, later on in life, it's almost like being in Home Alone. Of course, this happened years before Home Alone, but it, it's like Home Alone, you know? It was it was that thing where I'm just like, I'm going to set all these little traps now, and here we go, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be so quiet and so sneaky and stealthy, and it's going to be awesome. And I fall back asleep. By this point, it had to be like 2 or 3 a.m., you know? And I'm laying there dogs laying on top of me still right just out cold and all of a sudden i hear the biggest boom again the loudest boom this time a lot of profanities came out i mean it was they were everywhere. They were probably just lingering in the sky in the house, I mean, at some point, because there were so many, right? Like, if you could see word bubbles, they were going to be everywhere. So you see these word bubbles, and uh, with it, I, I, I kind of look, and I, mind you, I'm stuttering here, sorry. I'm just recalling all this for all of you D-heads here on the spot. Like I said, I had nothing planned here this week for Christmas, but this was a Christmas memory that still lives with me to this day. And uh, this time it was my mother. So, uh, you know, my father went upstairs and he was pretty beat up for my traps and so was my mother. Um, so, uh, nobody was happy with me, let's just say that. But, uh, you know, I won't bore you D-heads too much longer. I won't bore you with this story, but long story short, I fell back asleep finally again. And, uh, at some point I rolled over, I did see a red Santa suit, um, that's not making it up. I saw a red Santa suit. I saw somebody putting presents under the tree. Very magical. To this day, it's the only time I ever got to catch Santa putting presents under the tree. And so it was. It, it truly was one of those things that sticks with me because I've always tried to capture it every year. You'd hear the bells or you'd fall asleep and they were just there in the morning. This was the one time I was half out of it. But I remember seeing the red suit, seeing him put presents under the tree, and it was magical. And the next morning woke up, Christmas, but the one gift that I got that year that was my all-time awesome, awesome best toy that, like, what I needed to get was uh, my G.I. Joe figures. Yes, it was the, uh, oh my gosh, why can't I remember this now? I should have this a little more prepared for all of you D-heads, but it was, the, uh, it was the action figures that were the twins, and I can't remember their names right now. Man, I wish I could remember that. But if you're a big G.I. Joe buff back then, you know, knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe, right? And I should be knowing half the battle right now with the names of the twins. Were they the Crimson Twins? I don't know. Well, anyways, that was that. And they had an ATV, a little four-wheeler that would drive with it and things like that. And that was the best gift ever. So anyways... That was a long-winded, boring story for all of you D-heads. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I had nothing planned. It was Christmas. I'm excited here this week. It brings me back to that childhood. It brings me back to that moment in time. And, you know, if it wasn't for kids, think about it. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for children, there would be no Santa Claus. There would be no Mickey Mouse. There would be, you know, n any of these fun little things that are so magical and special that many people just want to disband. I mean, so many people are so quick now to just get rid of all these things and make it, making children grow up too fast. You know, there is something about the innocence, the fun, the special, the magic, all the things of childhood that make it great. 
And, you know, it, I, I just really hope that many of you D-heads out there, your kids are experiencing that magic. I know my kids are. They experience the magic. Whether that's new traditions with your elf on the shelf appearing at your house, Santa Claus. Maybe there's traditions you have with Hanukkah or Kwanzaa just making it special as well. Or anything from birthdays, birthday parties, spending time together, Sundays, make it a movie night. Sit down and pick that movie or that TV show that you watch. You know, you sit down with your dad. I have memories with sitting with my dad watching, you know, Home Improvement and all these shows. And now I sit down and watch shows with my sons and my daughters. And, you know, we have our little things that we watch and just laugh. And they're going to go back to these shows one day as well and movies. And just childhood is special. And it's innocent. And it's true. I mean, kids are going to tell you what they think. And kids also believe without ever having to see. And that is the best part for all of us, especially here in this Christmas season. Believing is not seeing. Believing is just being able to believe from the heart. So go out this Christmas and have fun. Make it special and magical. So D-Heads, I am sorry I rambled on. I probably said so D-Heads about 90 times already. But before I let you go and we press on here with the show, I do have to give you all the different ways to stay connected here at Diz Radio, just in case you really want to connect up with uh, myself or the D-Team. And you can always go to DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, complete archives, uh, a link to our online store with all of our swag, um, latest news posts, and more. You can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Diz Radio Show. You can also find us on uh, TikTok, Twitter. I mean, X. I still call it Twitter, but TikTok, X, Snapchat, uh, threads, Instagram, we're pretty much everywhere. And if you need to find us, just find all those links right there on our homepage at dizradio.com. That's D-I-Z-Radio.com. And D-Heads, now it's time for me to stop, for me to continue on, because we have Max Morrow stopping in from the Christmas Shoes, Santa Who, as well as Brady Bunch in the White House, the shows like Monk. We have the D-Team stopping in. You've already heard from Frank. And we also have Aaron stopping in. We have Cody, Dominic, Jeremy, Michael. Lots of fun things here for our very Merry Christmas celebration. I am excited for it. So as I leave you here, it's Christmas. And as I was just talking about that innocence of childhood, thank God for kids. If it weren't for kids, have you ever thought There wouldn't be no Santa Claus Or look what the stork just brought Thank God for kids And we'd all live in a quiet house Without Big Bird or Mickey Mouse And Kool-Aid on the couch Thank God for kids Thank God for kids, there's magic for a while A special kind of sunshine and a smile Do you ever stop to think or wonder why The dearest thing to heaven is a child Daddy, how does this thing fly? And a hundred other wares and why? I really don't know, but I try. Thank God for kids. And when I look down in those trusting eyes that look to me, I realize 
love that I can't buy. Thank God for kids. Thank God for kids. There's magic for a while. A special kind of sunshine and a smile. Do you ever stop to think or wonder why the nearest thing to heaven is a child? And when you get down on your knees tonight. Thank the Lord for His guiding light, and pray they'll turn out right. Thank God for kids. Thank God for kids. at 8, it's Madcap Merriment. It's holiday hilarity. Join Boo Boo Bear and all your favorite pals as they celebrate the holiday season. It's an encore performance of Yogi's First Christmas. Celebrate Yogi's First Christmas Monday at 8 on KPTV 12. This is Stephanie Gill from Journey to Bethlehem, and you're listening to this radio. You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. Hey, D-Heads, this is Aaron, and it's time again for another installment of I Want to Know. Well, Christmas is right around the corner. Hope everyone's ready for it. Picked up my Christmas Eve dinner of homemade tamales today. So delicious. Now if I can just keep everyone out of them till it's time to eat them on Christmas Eve. Hope all you D-heads are enjoying the magic and the foods of the Christmas season. Well, you guys have been busy sending in questions, so let's reach into Santa's virtual mailbag one last time this season and see what questions we have for this week. Our first question is from Maddie G of Arlington, Texas, and she writes, Diaz Radio's Aaron, it's been so good having the holidays with you again. Being back got me thinking about an old movie. It was a Christmas movie, it had an angel, and it was kind of like It's a Wonderful Life. It maybe had that girl from Adventures in Wonderland later on, I think. Any ideas what I'm talking about? Well, Maddie, you're remembering the movie One Magic Christmas, released in 1985 by Walt Disney Pictures, and stars Mary Steenburgen and Harry Dean Stanton. It also stars Elizabeth Harness, who plays Abby Granger, and also starred as Alice in Adventures in Wonderland. One Magic Christmas features Mary Steenburgen as a mom who's very emotionally subdued. She walks around in a daze, enjoying little of life. At Christmas, her kids and husband are excited, but she only worries about money and is brought down even further by people treating her badly. An angel shows up and encourages her young daughter to help find the true meaning of Christmas. The film then plays out as a cross between It's a Wonderful Life and A Christmas Carol. This movie is a little more downbeat and bleak for a Christmas movie, but it does have a wonderful message. 
definitely give it a watch this holiday season, and it's available to view on Disney+. Our next question is from the Haldeff family, and they write, Loved last week's guest with Daniel's mom. I have been a huge Karate Kid fan for years, so loved hearing this one, and also found the Martin Cove one in your Diz Radio archives. Aaron, my brain got to questioning so many Christmas movies, and was thinking about one that had Yogi Bear in it. I found a bunch of Christmas Caper and Yogi Show ones, but it isn't it. What is it called? I figured Diz Radio would know. Thank you, and Merry Christmas. Well, I do believe you're remembering one of my favorites from my childhood, Yogi's First Christmas. Yogi's First Christmas is a 1980 animated musical TV film starring Yogi Bear and produced by Hanna-Barbera. Yogi Bear and Boo Boo are awakened from hibernation and end up joining their friends at the Jellystone Lodge. They try to save it from being shut down by preparing for a great Christmas celebration in the Lodge. However, two Christmas haters, a miserable hermit and the Lodge owner's rotten nephew plan to ruin the festivities. It is available to watch on Tubi and Amazon Prime Video. Give it a watch and remember those Christmas memories of watching it as a kid. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Send all your questions and comments to the virtual mailbag at Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads, and Merry Christmas. Here again, coming up Christmas party. Party's friends, we're all on the go again. You better bundle up, it's starting to snow again. Merry Christmas, everybody. Where do you go when you have a new film music segment on this radio and Jonathan asks for it to be a Christmas-themed segment? Do you talk about Danny Elfman's score for A Nightmare Before Christmas? Do you go ultra-classic with Dimitri Tompkins' 1946 score for It's a Wonderful Life? How about Alan Silvestri's music for The Uncanny Valley of Zombie Children in The Polar Express? Or how about the score for Bad Mom's Christmas, also known as the sequel Nobody But Kenny G Asked For? But really, as far as Christmas classics go, there is only one film that stands out above all others, and that movie is, of course, Die Hard. That's right, the greatest Christmas movie of all time, aped its music from the greatest composer of all time, Ludwig van Beethoven. 
Composer Michael Kim straddled the pop, rock, and symphonic worlds, equally at home composing for orchestras and writing pop hits. Kamen wrote almost 100 scores while also collaborating with Guns N' Roses, Brian Adams, and Metallica. If you like action films like Highlander, Lethal Weapon, Roadhouse, The Three Musketeers, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, whose themes were so memorable they became the soundtrack signature for Morgan Creek, documentaries like From the Earth to the Moon, and touching films like Mr. Holland's Opus, What Dreams May Come, a score that would teach you to love the oboe, and of course, The Iron Giant. And if you're not crying when the score plays the DSRA Requiem after the Superman line, then you have no feelings you were born a Nazi robot. All of those were Michael Kamen. However, even as gifted as he was, Michael Kamen wanted nothing to do with the score for Die Hard, because the director wanted him to integrate possibly the greatest piece of music by possibly the greatest composer, that being Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. I'm not going to get into a debate on whether or not Beethoven was the greatest. Let's just say he ended the entire classical period pretty much single-handedly. And the Ninth Symphony is a choral and symphonic masterpiece that was so influential that composers were afraid to write symphonies for a while. Beethoven had the ultimate trump card. Even if you could write something as good as he did, which you probably could, he wrote his piece while being deaf. That's like being able to break the world record for the 100 meter dash, but the current record holder doesn't have legs. Kamen was basically asked to write his version of the greatest novel or to repaint the Mona Lisa. And last week we talked about Alex North not being able to please Stanley Kubrick, and all Stanley Kubrick asked him to do was write like Strauss. But Kamen's score is a perfect blend of action movie and concert hall. When Hans Gruber outsmarts the FBI and gets the Nakatomi Plaza vault to open and Beethoven's Ode to Joy blasts forth as godlike light pours into the room, it's great. I had been looking for this soundtrack for 30 years, and while dating my wife I joked I would marry the person who found me that album. She got me Die Hard 3 for Christmas. Still Michael Kamen, and this time he quotes when Johnny comes marching home and not Beethoven, but I decided to marry her anyway. Unfortunately, Michael Kamen was on the Grim Reaper's early 2000s hit list of film composers that took out him, Elmer Bernstein, Shirley Walker, Alex North, and Jerry Goldsmith. However, through film, he lives on this and every holiday season as families far and wide gather together to watch the dad from that Urkel show gun down an angry ballerina. I do have an official Diz Radio email, so I'd love to hear from you with a hi, some questions, maybe a movie suggestion, at dominic at disradio.com. That's D-O-M-E-N-I-C at disradio.com. I also can be found on Twitter at WDW Plantoons and on YouTube, also at WDW Plantoons. And if you like early 90s syndicated professional wrestling shows, check out the Saturday Morning Superstars podcast. I'm on there as well. So folks, that is it for this week. Thanks for listening. It all began with a Christmas wish. And 25 years later, it was granted right on the hood of his car. What the... Christmas is a time for miracles, and this year, it's Santa who needs a little holiday magic. You fell near my car. He ran over you. Peter, the man has amnesia. And now he can't even hoe. Ho, ho. You're gonna exploit that poor man? Who is this jolly fellow that fell from the sky? Anyone knows this man, please contact us. Oh, sure I know Santa, we're old pals. And you are? The Easter Bunny. So the elves join forces and put out a search. Look, Max, his sleigh! Yeah, but where is he? And where are the reindeer? What'd you do with Santa? They had to find Santa in time to save Christmas. You're late! You're late! You're late! With the power of belief and a little Christmas spirit. They're real! 
Peter, Claire, and Zach experience a miracle. I mean, do you really think it's healthy to let him believe that that amnesia victim is really Santa? You're afraid to believe in anything. Santa Claus isn't coming. That will change their lives forever. How can this be? <laughs> Leslie Nielsen in a brand new Christmas adventure that's sure to become a holiday classic. Santa who? Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Diz Radio special guest. All right, all of you Diz Radio fans out there, you tuned in for another installment here at Diz Radio and the Diz Radio Show. And with us here in the heart of our very Merry Christmas celebration is something that you go back, you relive these memories, and it just takes you back in a place in time, whether that's figuring out Santa Claus, figuring out a special gift for somebody. And with us here this week is somebody that's no stranger to any of that. You know him as the Brady Bunch going to the White House, but also Santa Who at Leslie Nielsen, as well as the classic that gets passed on to generations, the Christmas shoes. We have none other than Max Morrow here. Welcome to Diz Radio. Thanks, Jonathan. Pleasure to be here. It is our pleasure having you on. I mean, you know, perennial Christmas classics are the one of those things that people pass on. They they watch them. It takes them back to this moment in time, whether that's sitting with your family, you know, your father, your mother, siblings, and they just get passed on every year. Something Some things become like this ritual that you keep watching over and over again. Now, before we get into all the different things that you've been part of, and many of those I know people have continued to enjoy season after season. What got you started into pursuing a little bit of acting at such a young age? Well, I I can remember I was four years old and I was sitting I was sitting in the living room of my my childhood home, and there was this television show on, and there's a program in Canada or ch- like a channel in Canada called uh, TVO Kids. And I remember I was watching that, and there was this like group of children that were just I think they were just dancing. That's what I see in my head. They were just dancing around and my mom was watching TV with me and I said to her, I was like, I can, I can do that. And she went, yeah, of course you can, sweetie. And I was like, no, no, I, I, I think I can do that. And she went, okay. And then I, I asked for about, I think it was six months. I, I just kept coming to my parents and I kept saying to them, like, whatever they were doing on TV, I, I really want to do that. I think we can do that. And so finally they they said, okay, you know, well, let's see what we can do. And they found an agent, like a, a, a child talent agent. And my first, my first job that I ever had, I was five years old and I got a pot of gold chocolate commercial. It was one day of work. All I did all day was chew chocolate and then spit it out. And that was it. Now, so two things happened. One, I went, "Oh my goodness, this is this is this is what this is." I'm in. I'm in for life. And then, second thing was, I didn't eat chocolate again for 25 years. <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those where you're like, you're like, this is great as a kid. You're like, you know, chocolate after chocolate, I love it. And yeah, yeah, it's that it's that overdose where you're like, all right, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, but uh, chocolate aside, I mean, I was. I was hooked and it just, I mean, it was amazing that I was able to just keep working and I, I got to do, I'm sure we'll talk about some of them, but I got to do lots of really fabulous projects, just like one after another. And it was just for like 15 years, it felt like living in 
Santa's workshop. Right. Well, you know, and with that too, I guess that's a good segue because it is, you know, holiday classics and that, you know, going back to those uh, Disney days and being with Leslie Nielsen, you know, comedic icon and being part of Santa Who. And that pops up everywhere, even now. I mean, you scroll through any apps, uh, any of the streaming platforms. I think it's up on Tubi right now. It's just, it's kind of everywhere. What was it like being part of this, you know, fun, wonderful world of Disney movie that appeared, you know, Sunday night, everybody sitting around his family and people are still watching it to this day. That's wild. I mean, it was, like I said, it was actually like being in Santa's workshop because first of all, we, we shot it in July. Um, so it was Christmas in July, which was very, very warm. Um, I remember Leslie had this, so he had his Santa suit, but they had built it with this. Um, it was like a, like a tubular air conditioning system where that pumped cold water through the Santa suit. Uh, um, which I, I just, I always remember just him in like his red pants with these like cold water tubes going up and down his torso. Um, but you know, he was, he personally like was, you know, all, 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 all the icons, as you said, all of, all of the really like the big classic, um, actors and artists, they're all the best. They're down to earth. They've been doing it forever. You know, and I was, I think I was nine or 10 and he was just, the most fun, the most gracious. He had <laughs> he had this um, fart machine that he kept in his pocket, like a little uh, little button thing, like a, a battery operated whoopee cushion. <laughs> and I remember him so vividly, like new actors that came on set or or background or or anyone you know he would he would go around stand by somebody that he hadn't really spoken to, and he would just press this fart machine button. <laughs> <And> <laughs> <laughs> just to see the people's reactions, but uh, yeah, no, that it was a lot of fun. I mean, we we got to 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 live in this little Christmas world in Toronto for for the summer, and uh, you know, it's always we like we we took over malls for set. Uh, we recreated Santa's workshop. I remember there was one day we were shooting in an area of the city um, called the Distillery District with. Uh, Santa's reindeer had, had, he, you know, he crashed and all of his reindeer were strewn about this part of the city. And I remember walking on the set when everything was established and it was this Christmas market and there was a dozen live reindeer just sort of milling about in this obviously enclosed area, but it was just as a nine year old kid. I mean, there's no acting necessary. Like you're living in it. It was so cool. Well, you know, and with Leslie too, like you said, you know, always a prankster and utmost, you know, I guess top of the line actor. And, you know, you had a chance to work with, you know, somebody as iconic as him as well, because, you know, you know, time's pressing on for everybody. Now being part of this and, you know, the Christmas feeling and seeing these live reindeer and, you know, being on set, I guess when it finally was released, did you all sit down as a family and you tuned in and you watched it and I guess, what is it like watching something like that? Are you taken back into the story or are you self-critiquing or were you more one of those kids where you're like, I'm not going to watch anything I'm in? Ooh, good question. Uh, my parents were always really, they were always very supportive and really into um, whatever I had done that was on TV. We, we would make a little bit of a, a thing of it. 
if you will. So we would sit down. We did. I do remember watching it. Um, yeah, and I think it was, I was I was ten or eleven, and I think it was more. What always struck me was what I was really into. I didn't get. I didn't start critiquing or being uh, analytical about anything I had done until later on in my my career. But I do remember being so fascinated by watching how it had come together and what it looked like on screen, as opposed to just having my own memories of just sort of living it and um, doing the team sport of actually making the film. But I do remember very vividly, not, not just this project, a lot of, a lot of stuff that I'd seen on TV after the fact and just being so, so amazed at, at how all of these pieces came together that I never really was able to conceptualize because I, you know, I had my part, I was a kid and memorized my lines and then go play with people like Leslie Nielsen. And that was kind of it. So you see this thing on TV and it becomes this living emotional uh, story. And it's just, I just remember it being the coolest thing. Well, you know, and with that too, then, like you said, seeing it all kind of come together and items like that. So, um, you know, going back into those recesses, have you gone back and watched it at any point in like the last 10 years? No, I don't think I've seen it. And not for any good reason, honestly, not. And my, there's a, (laughs) there's a few of my friends that they've, they've asked me for a few years now because I have a couple of Christmas movies. They're like, we have to come over. Let's have some wine and let's watch your old Christmas movies. Cause I honestly, like I said, like for no good reason, I just, I haven't seen it. Um, but I, I would be, I mean, obviously now that this is coming alive for me again, I'm, I'm, I have all the reason to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, and with that too, like you said, you've done a few Christmas movies and, you know, no, no talking with you would be complete without talking about uh, the Christmas shoes, which, you know, you you can't go a season without hearing that song on the radio. You can't go anywhere without that movie being played or people referencing it or how it was a tearjerker. I guess, how did you get involved with that movie? And did you think it was going to have this, you know, heartfelt lasting power? Because it became one of those annual movies that everybody watches. And you can't forget about it because if you do, the song is on the radio every season. And I cheer up every time I hear that song. I mean, my my relationship with the story aside, like, <laughs> it's such a tear-jerking song. <laughs> my dad always cries. I mean, it's just, and that's what's really cool is, you know, uh, songs spawned the book, and uh, this movie was was born out of that. And I just I landed the role just auditioning. Um, you know, they did a U.S. and a and a Canadian one casting call. I think I did. I think I did three or four auditions, and my parents were very excited because the script was so lovely. Um. And I remember we shot in Halifax and I had no idea who Rob Lowe was, no idea who Shirley Douglas was or Kimberly Williams. So, and that, that I think was also part of the fun of being a kid and working with these big names because you don't have any preconception of them. You don't have any, uh, 
any idea of really who they are beforehand. So I remember <laughs> the first day of that, there was like there was a ton of photographers. And like, I remember at Halifax was buzzing, like Rob Lowe was in town, who is categorically the, the nicest, most wonderful human being you could ever have the hope of working with or meeting. Um, and I remember not knowing who he was, but Rob's, Rob's coming to set today. Rob's coming to set today. And I remember going to his, his stand-in and uh, I introduced myself. I said, hi, Rob. I just wanted to say my name's Max. I'm playing Nathan. And he kind of laughed. He's like, no, Rob, I'm, I'm, I'm the stand-in. You'll know when Rob's here. And, uh, you know, he, he had come to, to Halifax for the, I shot, I believe it was May, June, May, June, July. And he brought his family and, um, his wife and his kids were just so lovely. And it was a very familial experience. My mom was there. His brother was there. Um, and I think the reason that it, it had such staying power and, and it, it has kind of kept around is that it is just such a lovely, I mean, heart wrenching, but beautiful story. And it felt, it felt that making it everyone that was a part of it from crew to cast. It, it really did stand out to me as something special and unique that I, I hadn't truthfully, I mean, I haven't really, or had since such a, an experience. I think everyone's very dialed in and very committed to the truth of what the story was. And, and it, it's a, it, that, that sense and that, um, overarching emotion is a very, uh, vivid thing in my mind when I, when I think back on the film. Well, right. You know, and, you know, being so young at the time too, you don't realize, you know, at the moment, like how impactful this is or how so many adults are just going to be weeping and crying and, uh, I guess, what was it like then at that age that you have to wrap your head around, here's a special set, here's a great story, but you're also dealing with topics of like death and heaven and losing loved ones. I guess, is that something that you recall kind of like having to grasp your head around or you had questions about so that way you could tackle the role better? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think, I don't know if you're going to, if you edit this out or not, but story I'm about to tell you, but <laughs> to answer your question... I, well, first of all, I had never, I'd never lost anybody before. Um, but at that age, I hadn't, I hadn't experienced loss, but I had, I had a hamster. At the time. <laughs> His name was Mr. Tibbles. He was a really, really cool animal. I used to carry him around in my t-shirt pocket and sneak him in at dinner and he would like he'd eat all my vegetables. And he was a really like for a hamster, he was a pretty, pretty old soul creature. Anyway. <laughs> as you said, the film, it does deal with that. There's a lot of emotion in it. There's a lot of emotional moments. Um, you know, and the story demanded a pretty visceral emotional response. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, right before camera rolled, they would squeeze, um, like sailing tears on my eyes and they were like, okay, now pretend to cry. It was, it get there. And <laughs> this is the part <laughs> If you cut it out, it's fine. But I remember how I would get to that place was my mom and I would go in like a quiet, quiet room and talk about my hamster, Mr. Tibbles. And 
talk about saying goodbye to him and what I would do for him and, and, and how much I loved him. And if I had, if I had, if he just wanted like a kibble or a treat, what, how emotional would it be if I had to get that for him? And, you know, if it was the last treat I was going to give him, how sad would that be? Which in retrospect, it's a pretty nutty notion to think that, you know, that's your job. You're standing in a, in a, in a dark closet thinking about your hamster time to get you to cry. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, that's the thing about that movie, like that we've been talking about. It's just, it is genuine. People showed up to work and people committed um, and everyone gave it their all. Well, you know, and that's the kind of thing too, like you said, where you're getting to this emotion and it, it basically radiates that way throughout the entire film because, I mean, even to the point where my children, um, even my daughter who's 11, asked to watch this movie every year and she's like, it's so sad, but it's so happy all in the same. And she just asked to watch it again this year. So it's like, it's touching on all different age levels for people and, you know, passing on that way, I guess. How often have you been approached, you know, from people like, oh, that movie moved me or that movie touched my life? And, you know, how many times have you heard that? And you're like, okay, I didn't think it was that special. It was special, but I didn't realize, you know, here I am, you know, all these years later and people are still affected by it. I mean, truly, it it, it continues to surprise me and a fair bit, honestly, Jonathan, like it's. For instance, I I, uh, I was my parents live in Nova Scotia, and I had just gone back recently, and we were at this little art fair, and my mom said, "Oh, can I can I introduce you to this person who uh, she's a real big fan of Christmas shoes?" I'm like, "Oh, of course," and and uh, that's that's happened since the film. I mean, continuously, even though I'm you know 20 years older than I was when I made it, people still watch it and it's still important to them, and it's I think that's you know this the cool thing about story and art and, and things that you put out or you're a part of that get put out into the world. They do have a life beyond your involvement, which, you know, I'm a huge fan of all forms of art myself and a fan of so many people. Um, but be on the other side of it in this instance, you don't really, you don't really consider where it goes or who it goes to once it's done, it's out. Um, you're on to something else, you know, you're on, you have your, your memories of it and your experience with making it. And then that's kind of, you put it out into the world. And when it comes back to you in the form of people uh, expressing love for it, I mean, it's, it's humbling. It's awesome. Well, you know, and, and like you said, it's one of those where you've touched so many people's lives from this, you know, and, you know, you, you look back and the, the one thing that I do have to say about this film that I liked from, from the perspective of your character was the fact that, at any point, you know, and people have brought this up to me over the years watching this, is they're like, why didn't the teacher or why didn't somebody just say, hey, here's 20 bucks, go get the shoes. And I'm like, it's more important that he earn this on his own as a farewell to his mother. I guess, you know, that that was an important piece, I felt. That is, I mean, that's astute. And I mean, I don't mean to laugh. I just think that's it's funny. I haven't heard that before. Like, yeah, why didn't, he, why didn't they just give him 20 bucks from the teacher? But, uh, yeah, that's not the story. I mean, if it was, it'd be a short film and who cares, but, uh, you know, but I mean, it was just, it was just, it was just very, you know, it's a very different take of that where, you know, it is something, 
that, you know, he had to earn it on his own. Now, you know, with this, though, too, so, you know, you got the Christmas films. You have Santa Who, The Christmas Shoes, and I'm sure we'll circle back to this again because I know everyone wants to hear so much from this. But you were part of a lot of other things, too, you know, from, uh, you know, the Little Bear movie, um, part of the Brady Bunch in the White House, you know, playing Bobby Brady. Um, You know, I guess touching base on some of those lighter hearted things, what was it like, you know, for like the Brady Bunch? You know, everybody knows the Brady Bunch and everybody knows those films. What was it like being in something just totally, totally off the wall and goofy, you know, after, you know, you're working on some of these other projects that were, you know, a lot more intense? The most fun I have ever had on set to date before or since. And I've had lots of fun on lots of shows that stands out as the most wonderful, fun like you said, goofy, lighthearted, silly thing that I've ever been lucky enough to be part of. It was everyone who was part of the crew, everyone who was part of the cast. It was so... It was just uniform in the fact that everyone was there just to have a good time. It It happened to be work, but it was so much fun. And the cast, I remember I would, my parents would have all of the Brady's over for we'd have Sunday night dinners um, because everyone was from LA except myself. Um, like Gary Cole, Shelly Long, uh, Autumn Reeser, Sophia Vitulieva, uh, Chad Dorak, uh, Blake Foster. They were all from LA. So they were kind of, you know, not a lot to do in Toronto when you're that age, but you know, we'd have dinners. We'd, we'd hang out. We'd go, Oh, what did we do? We did I think he's laser tag one day. And it made this really like familial vibe on set. And it was just, it was so much fun. Well, you know, and with that too, then, you know, with all these, uh, you know, uh, something like that where you have these memories and it is fun. And, you know, like working with Shelley Long, Gary Cole, like, like creating these iconic roles and fun, I guess. How many times, not necessarily Brady Bunch, but on any set, have there been any points, moments where there's been some uh, crazy hijinks or moments where these are the things that never made it on screen? It's not a day of acting, but it is a memory that you were like, this is this is something that I'm, I'm going to put in my memoirs. Should I ever write one one day? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I only have rated R answers, so I don't know if this is the forum for that. Um, but... Honestly, in, in terms of things that obviously never made it into films were, and this happened on all projects. I think this happens just all the time. I mean, you're, you're doing these scenes and it's kind of like trying not to laugh in church, but something just really sticks. And there's always been moments on set um, where it's just impossible to get through a scene. You just can't, you just like, just laugh. Like it's just too, there's something... I, it's unexplainable. I don't know what it is, but I, I just, there's not a project that I think about that. I, I don't have the memory of like just being doubled over and just laughing. And like that kind of hilarity, I guess is probably some of the stuff that doesn't make it into the movies. But, uh, if I, if I do write the book one day, I, I'm going to send you an email and I'll, <laughs> I'm going to be like, okay, page 76, page 99. Remember that question you asked? What are the, what are the, 
for some of the stuff for the hijinks that couldn't be couldn't make it in the movie or happened. Those are the pages for talking. Right. Well, the, that's that's what you're going to need. You know, Ed Bigley Jr. was recently a guest on the show, and he just created a memoir where there's a lot of those pages too. So I would expect nothing less out of you. Well, and I mean, that's I just uh, before I obviously spoke with you, I li- I listened to that episode because. I mean, A, I got to research, and B, I love Ed Begley Jr. So I'm a, a little bit, and I'm a fangirl moment that you got to speak to him. But uh, yeah, I know it, it does. It takes pages. It, uh, I'm one of the things that I, I'm pursuing is a career in writing. And I've had a few people within the industry in the last couple of years approach me in terms of doing something autobiographical and I've never really found like the spine of a story to tell, but I've actually just recently started writing a film based on my experiences. Um, like using, using my career and my, my time on set as kind of the backdrop for a story. But, uh, yeah, there, there's, there's definitely, there's a lot to pull from. (laughs) Well, you know, so many different things you've been part of. Everything from, you know, Brady Bunch, Monk, I mean, Santa Who, The Christmas Shoes, so much stuff out of there. You've played a role in a lot of people's lives and continue on with that holiday celebration and that continual, I guess, passing on that story to people. Um, For anybody listening in whose life you continue to touch, whether you realize it or not, as they're watching that little boy tossing that money on the counter, um, is there anything you'd like to leave out there for anybody listening in? I just want to say thank you. And I love you for loving things that were so important to me and continue to be a part of my life and will will always be. And um, as long as they're a part of your life, I'm glad we have something to share together. And I wish everybody a happy, healthy, um, wonderful Christmas and holiday season and a very happy new year. And Jonathan, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak today. Well, thank you for stopping in and have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you so much. You too. It was almost Christmas time And there I stood in another line Trying to buy that last gift or two Not really in the Christmas mood Standing right in front of me Little boy waiting anxiously Pacing round like little boys do And in his hands he held A pair of shoes And his clothes were worn and old He was dirty from head to toe And when it came his time to pay I couldn't believe what I heard him say Sir, I want to buy these shoes For my mama, please It's Christmas Eve and these shoes are just her size Could you hurry, sir? Daddy says there's not much time You see, she's been sick for quite a while And I know these shoes will make her smile one or two look beautiful If Mama meets Jesus tonight They 
counted pennies for what seemed like years Then the cashier said, son, there's not enough here He searched his pockets frantically Then he turned and he looked at me He said, mama made Christmas good at our house Though most years she just did without Tell me, sir, what am I gonna do? Somehow I've gotta buy her these Christmas shoes So I laid the money down I just had to help him out And I'll never forget the look on his face When he said, Mama's gonna look so great Sir, I wanna buy these shoes For my mama it's Christmas Eve and these shoes are just her size Could you hurry, sir? Daddy says there's not much time You see, she's been sick for quite a while And know these shoes will make her smile And want her to look beautiful If Mama meets Jesus tonight This is J.O. Sanders from Angels in the Outfield, The Big Green, Mr. Destiny, Day After Tomorrow, and so many other films, and you're listening to Diz Radio. Sometimes the smallest of miracles can change our lives. And for one man, we didn't think you were coming. And a boy. I used to have this pair of dancing shoes. Every time I put them on, I just felt so special. A special pair of shoes will lead their paths to cross. You would have really liked the show. I wish you were there. Okay, everybody, Cody here. I hope everyone has been having a great holiday season so far, and I hope you're all gearing up to get ready for the 
big night and big day that's coming up this weekend. And as you get set for it, I'm going to bring you one more movie pick before we hit that special night with Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And as you may have guessed from listening to our guests this week, Max Moreau and Jonathan, I'm going to go with the Christmas Shoes. 2002, Rob Lowe, Max Moreau, and Kimberly William Paisley. This movie is actually the telling of two separate stories. The first with Maggie Andrews, who has been suffering from heart conditions, to which her son Nathan is trying to raise money to purchase her a pair of Christmas shoes. The other tale is of lawyer Robert Layton, who he and his wife Kate are having some marital problems. They seem to be slowly drifting apart, and as Kate takes over for Maggie for the school choir, declining a job in Robert's firm in the process, Robert begins to start to reconsider things, and that's where these two stories intertwine and it takes you on an emotional ride. This is one of those movies that, when it comes to Christmas time, this is the one you kind of think of. This is the one that emotionally, it's going to tug at your heartstrings, and it's you're gonna need to have the tissues on hand. It's one of those, grab your blanket, get yourself some hot cocoa, and just relax, and uh, snuggle up with the one you love, and uh, enjoy this wonderful, classic Christmas movie that shares that Christmas message that is always around this time of year when it comes to thinking of others and not of yourself. And also, it's the big one of giving. It's the season to give, uh, and to forgive, and to love and cherish one another. And that's exactly what this movie's gonna do from start to finish. This is one that's easily gonna be added to your must-watch collection every year, every Christmas, every holiday, and right now it is streaming on AMC Plus or you can always find it on Amazon. You can pretty much find anything on Amazon these days, can't you? I hope you enjoy watching this movie as much as I did and I hope you've enjoyed my last couple picks this week for this holiday season as well. But most importantly, I hope you all have a very Merry Christmas and I hope it's full of memories and laughter and love. Uh, one of my fondest memories growing up as a child is going over to my grandmother's house with all my cousins and my aunts aunts and uncles and my parents would have a pool table down in the basement and this only really happened on Christmas Thanksgiving we didn't do it a whole lot but every Christmas all the grandkids we all got together around the pool table and we just played pool for hours until dinner was ready and it was time to read from the Bible and open gifts and uh, and then have some dessert and just spend some more quality time with family and friends but Playing pool was always, has always been in my mind, and it's a memory that I will always cherish forever, and I hope you all have some great memories, and I hope you'll share some of them with us on disradio.com. That being said, once again, as I've stated, I hope you all have a very Merry Christmas, and I will see you here next week. Take care. Friday at Magical World of Disney. Muppets deck the halls on Disney. <laughs> with Kermit Gonzo and Miss Piggy. Oh, Merry Christmas. It's the Muppet Christmas Carol. See the rat fall in the barrel. Fun, huh? la 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 Tis the season for the Muppet Christmas Carol. Followed by movie servers go inside Disney's Mighty Joe Young. Friday at Magical World of Disney. Movies at 7, 6 Central. How's it going, everybody? Michael here, and I want to welcome you to Pop Up, my segment where we talk about all things pop culture. Now, it is the week of Christmas, and while we're all in the hustle and bustle of the rushing around, trying to 
get everything done, try to get everything cooked, try to get all the kids taken care of, or, you know, if you're like a Christmas vacation style thing, you got 15 people running around your house, but here's hoping that no one is dumping uh, their toilet into a storm sewer. But, hey, everybody's family is a little quirky. But, Personally, for me, with my shopping, I am hustling and bustling trying to get things off of Amazon to get here in time before uh, my family and my mother all arrive here in Austin, Texas, where I live uh, for Christmas. But this year, I found myself buying a lot of pop culture items off of Amazon, well, for myself. And one of those items was a brand new release this year of Funko Pops for for Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, they included Kermit, Gonzo and Rizzo, because you can't do it without Gonzo and Rizzo. Uh, Fozzie Bear, who of course plays Fozzie Wig. You've got Miss Piggy as well. And my personal favorite, Marley and Marley, the ghost of Statler and Waldorf fantastic set i bought the whole thing and you can buy these all on amazon also talking about pop culture one of my favorite things to do every year is to watch my favorite christmas movie and a movie we talked about last week die hard now this was a gift that actually came from a friend of mine and i didn't even know it existed and that is Die Hard the Christmas Storybook, which modeled after the night before Christmas, tells the story of Die Hard. Now, I do recommend that you maybe not read this to the kids because, well, there is a little bit of language. Not as bad as the movie, but you do want to use a little precaution there uh, as it may not be the best for young ears. But hey, we're heading into Christmas. I wish every single one of you a Merry Christmas. Hopefully you get everything that you asked Santa for. And, well, if you didn't, I don't know, maybe try to be better next year. Merry Christmas, everybody. There's magic in the air this evening, magic in the air. The world is at her best, you know, when people love and care. The promise of excitement is one the night will keep after all there's only one more sleep till christmas
it's good for everyone. Yes, faith is in our hearts today. We're shining like the sun. And everyone can feel it. The feeling's running deep. After all, there's only one more sleep till Christmas. After all, there's only one more sleep till Christmas Day. Message for you, son. From days long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. The dream that came through a million years, that lived on through all the tears. Hey, listen! Will you stop this foolishness? What foolishness would you like to see? Here he is, your Spider-Pan, Jeremy. Hey, that's right. It's me. It's your Spider-Pan, Jeremy. And I've got this. The more research I do onto this, the more this cracks me up. This is definitely a Christmas film. You cannot doubt or deny the Christmas of this film. But you will not believe when this movie was released. We're talking about a movie from 1947. Now, Google says that this movie came out May the 2nd. Wikipedia is saying in, in June that this film came out. 1947. Uh, let me just play for you a little bit of the marketing for this. Uh, telling me if this would make you go see the movie. That is the greatest picture I have ever made. And I've got the angle on the trailer. Boys, we've got to get across to the public that that picture has everything. Why, it's hilarious. It's romantic. It's tender. It's charming. It's delightful. It's exciting. And it's groovy. Yes, yes Mr. Schaefer. That does it, boss. Mr. Schaefer? You've got a great idea, naturally. Now, I'll tell you what we do. And then it goes on to have a trailer where it just puts text on screen saying, it's romantic, it's funny, it's charming, and it's groovy. Here's the thing. All right, so despite that this movie is a Christmas movie, studio head Zanuck Daryl F., that's, that's the way they've put it here on TCM, Turner Classic Movies' website, but he insisted it be released in May because he argued that more people went to the movies during the summer, and so the studio began scrambling to promote it while keeping the fact that it was a Christmas movie a secret. And the only footage of the movie that you would see in a trailer was watching the main character, played by Ed Gwynn, walking down the street in very normal clothes. As the title proclaims, Miracle on 34th Street. But let me talk about some of the other media. Uh, I actually, every year, uh, other than watching the movie, there is a radio drama on the Lux Radio Theater that I have a copy of. Uh, Lux Radio Theater would go and, you know, because this is the, not the time where you could watch movies at home. You didn't have streaming or VHS or DVD or Blu-ray. So they'd have a wait for after the movies, you know, come and gone for you to be able to relive the movie is they would perform it. And Lux Radio Theater would often get the original actors back in to play their parts. And they would do a radio version about an hour long of the, the picture. The writer who wrote the uh, the screenplay also then adapted it as a book. Uh, then they adapted it as a theater, a musical. How, how would you like to see a musical of Miracle on 34th Street? I, I'd love that. 2012, all right, at a Macy's department store, there was a puppet show in New York City featured a 30-minute puppet version of the story uh, featuring the voice talents of Broadway stars Brian Stokes Mitchell and Victoria Clark. 1994, I remember watching that one with you know Sir Richard Attenborough as Chris Kringle. And of course, I loved him from Jurassic Park. But it is one of the most charming movies you'll ever see. And if you've never seen this, uh, this, to me, is a movie about Faith. Now, faith is the certainty of things hoped for, 
a proof of things not seen or unseen. And it questions, well, what do you believe? And it's not just a question about Santa Claus. I mean, I, I consider this a faith movie because what else is it that's unseen? And, I, you know, I don't want to get preachy here. There's, I, I feel a faith message, and I think it's even stronger in the 1994 remake. But at the end of it, you, he, the judge receives a Christmas card from the little girl. Uh, and that one played by Mara Wilson that we knew from Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, but she gives him a card, and on a dollar bill, it says, in God we trust. And so the judge concludes, well, if the government can say, you know, can have faith in God, how can we not have faith in perhaps Santa Claus being real? And maybe it's this guy here who embodies everything that Santa Claus stands for. And that, I think, is the real message of it. And, uh, you know, the original 1947 film of some postal workers just get the random idea. Hey, wait a minute. We got all these, you know, undeliverables that are all addressed to Santa, and they just kind of build up here. What if we take and drop him off over where Chris Kringle is? He's over at the courthouse. And so they bring it in and it becomes evidence because, well, the, the U.S. government just confirmed that, hey, this man is Santa Claus. The deeper meanings in there other than faith is also what Chris Kringle is standing for, the decency and the, the kindness he shows and the giving spirit. And there's a beautiful scene in the 1994 where a little deaf girl comes up and uh, the mother says, well, I, you know, she just wanted to be able to sit on your lap and everything. And, and then Chris Kringle starts signing and there's this cute, oh, it, it'll, it'll melt your heart there. He's having this signing conversation with this little girl, uh, which they did a very similar thing, you know, in the 1947, instead of a, a, a deaf girl with signing, it has a little Dutch girl that she doesn't really speak English, but Chris Kringle starts speaking Dutch. Maureen O'Hara's character, and she doesn't believe in anything anymore and believe in love or and that love is just a fairy tale because she got divorced and she was very hurt. Uh, and so you have basically John Payne and Chris Real who show up. The show is there. No, love is a very real thing. And sometimes bad things happen. You can't quit believing that love is a real thing and that happiness has happened. And ha you have to have a little bit of belief in the fairy tale and the magic. Oh, my goodness. If you've never seen this movie, this old classic, heck, watch both versions. If you can watch both. This is the most Christmassy movie that ever was released for summertime. OK. And I absolutely love it. Uh, by the way, if you're enjoying hearing what I talk about, make sure you visit NeverlandPodcast.com or look us up Apple and iTunes, The Fandom Nexus. I've got something special coming up for Christmas. Good, good old John John. He's going to help me out with this and a bunch of other podcasters. I have something very special to share with you. Send me an email, spiderpan at disradio.com. I'd like to see some emails. What new things are you looking forward to doing in the new year? And I'd like to share them next week. So, yeah, if you send me some emails even or send them to John, uh, he'll, he'll let me know. What new things are you looking forward to in 2024? Send me those emails and we'll talk about it next week. But until then, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, love ya, and let's have some more fun next week. Yes, go. He thinks you're Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I know. Know what? A secret. What secret? Santa Claus. I've known for a long time. He's not real. Says who? My mom. They say that seeing is believing. <laughs> but the truth is, the world is held together by things you can't see. There really has to be something you want for Christmas. A house, a brother, and a dad. That's all I ever want. He loves you and he wants to kiss you. And he thinks he's the most beautiful woman in the whole world. If you're really Santa Claus, you can get it for me. Right. 
it's an engagement ring. If, if you can't accept anything, hey! faith, then you're doomed for a life dominated by doubt. She's deaf. You don't have to talk to her. She just wanted to see you. You are a very beautiful young lady. <laughs> if I could make you believe, then there'd be some hope for me. I can't. Well, I'm finished. I want this man declared insane. This is about a man who has had something very wrong done to him. I want you to help him. Together, we're going to prove that there is a Santa Claus and that you're him. I'm ready, Councilman. Do you believe that you are Santa Claus? Yes, of course. <laughs> I'd like the court to see Mr. Kringle make the reindeer fly. He only flies on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Coles believes in Santa Claus. Do you believe in Santa Claus? If this court finds that Mr. Kringle is not who he says he is, then I would ask the court to judge which is worse, a lie that draws a smile or a truth that draws a tear. 20th Century Fox, Richard Attenborough, Elizabeth Perkins, Dylan McDermott and Mrs. Doubtfire's Mara Wilson present you with the most precious gift of all. Something to believe in. Miracle on 34th Street. Taking you on a journey from your lifetime of memories. It's Diz Radio. And back to your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, we are back here about to close out the show. Yes, it is one of those times in the show when we're coming to the end. We're closing it down. We're going to get ready for Christmas, get ready for Santa, put out the milk and cookies. I am excited for this this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun with the family. You know, I, I, I love spending this time with my kids. But before I let you go here, we've had a lot of fun here this month with our very Merry Christmas celebration. Next week, we are back still once again, just in time to roll in 2024 and so many other fun things. So before I close out the show here this week, I do got to say I am extremely thank you for all you the D-heads. You are the reason that we come back here every single week for the past 13 years. I also want to extend that thank you to Max Morrow, our special guest, the Christmas shoes, wiping those tears from our eyes. Leslie Nielsen and you were cracking it up in Santa Who. And of course, Brady Bunch in the White House. You can't go wrong with the Brady kids. Thank you, Max, once again for stopping in, chatting with us, and celebrating the holidays with us here at Diz Radio. And I'd also like to thank the D-Team. Without the D-Team, there'd be nothing more to this show other than me rambling week in and week out. And I say that every single week, literally. So thank you, the D-Team, as well. So all of you D-Heads, with that said, before I let you go here this week, it has been a fun holiday season. This weekend, I'm excited to leave out those cookies and milk for Santa, spend time with the kids, just have a great holiday weekend. I hope you have a holiday that is just above and beyond memorable, magical, and everything you could possibly think of. And if nothing else, think about the Christmas shoes, think about our guests here this week, and how our actions, we never know how it's going to make somebody's day. Just by saying Merry Christmas, holding that door open, maybe buying somebody that cup of coffee, this Christmas season, you never know how you are affecting somebody on this day. Because when it's jolly for many of us, it's maybe not so jolly for a few others. And maybe we 
can turn that around. So before I let us go here this week, I do got to give you all the different ways to stay connected here at the show, as I always do, because I don't want you to forget. And remember, first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at dizradio.com. That's D-I-Z-Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, complete archives, our latest news feed, connect up with the D-Team, all kinds of goodies there at the website at dizradio.com. You can also find us on uh, a variety of places to download the show, whether that's the Apple Podcasts app, Spotify. You can find us on iHeartRadio, so many different places. You can also find us on X, Facebook at facebook.com slash show. You can find us on Stitcher, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, you name it. And if you don't want to search all these different platforms, just go to dizradio.com, D-I-Z-Radio.com, and you can find all those links there on the homepage. Just click it and uh, join all of us. So, D-Heads, with that said, I am going to get out of the studios here. I got a lot of things to do. I got to wrap a few gifts for my kids yet. I got to do a lot of fun things to get ready for the holiday season. I got to drink some uh, hot cocoa, make some cookies, wrap some presents, watch that last push of Christmas movies, and so much more. So as I always say, have fun and make memories. You can always make money. You can't always make memories. And this weekend, go out there, make the magic happen, and make those memories last with laughter, smiles, and fun. Have a very Merry Christmas, all of you D-heads. And until next week, have a fantastic holiday weekend. I wish it was Christmas. Christmas every day We could just let it snow
Thank you for tuning into the Diz Radio Show. The thoughts and comments expressed are those of the show and do not reflect any company or guest heard on our program. Now go on and relive the magic, fun, excitement, and appreciation from your lifetime of memories. See you real soon.